0: Here's the story of child star actors
1: Welcome back, everybody, to your creativity. We're, at, uh, we're here with the Quarantine Bunch. This is part two. We spoke with uh, Daniel from Who's the Boss yesterday and had a great conversation. Spoke for about an hour. and But now we're here for part two with the creators of the Quarantine Bunch and uh, Jeremy Miller. How's everybody?
2: Good. Doing great.
1: Good to hear. Now, uh, I got connected through Jeff, through the website, and he's one of the uh, co-creators and producer of the show. Um, tell us a little bit about the, the development of the Quarantine Bunch.
2: Well, let me take you back into time. It was 1985. Are you ready for this uh, flashback, guys? <laughs> uh, it actually does start back in the 80s, as mo- do most good memories. Yeah. That you can remember. And I actually went to junior high with a former child star you may have heard of, Keith Coogan. Jan, uh, grandfather, Jackie Coon, one of the first child actors in Hollywood. And Keith was in every TV show and movie throughout the 80s, Adventures and Babysitting, Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead. Any movie with a babysitter in it, I mean, boom, <laughs> Keith was in it, and he delivered. So that's my history with Keith. And then over the years, we kind of parted ways and did our own thing. But January, here I get a Facebook invitation along with, you know, 200 of his other closest friends to come to his 50th birthday party. And I'm like, you know, I might do that. And then I think in the invitation says it's an 80s theme and I have the perfect mullet wig that any (laughs) chance I get to wear that I'm I'm there. Yeah. So this was a lot. I was going to Keith's birthday party and it just so happened to be hosted at Ryan's home. Ryan and his wife, Melissa, were throwing this bash for Keith. And so this is the first time Ryan and I meet and we're chatting. And he tells me about this really funny show that he put together a while back called the Comeback Kids, a TV show about mm-hmm. child actors, right. former child stars trying to navigate life many years after kind of the spotlight had faded. So that was that. I said, funny show. Nice to meet you. Thanks for the, um, the mini hot dogs. And then we part ways. And then, oh, my God lockdown hits it's march 9th hollywood is shut down and we're all just sitting around oh my god what are we going to do now so that's when i shoot ryan a text saying hey everyone's locked down but that doesn't mean they could keep us down so you're up for doing something creative something wacky with child stars and that's how the the ball got rolling he took the bait ryan and i think he still kicks himself every day for Answering yet? No? Okay. Um, He may have been drinking before this, but that's okay. Uh, And uh, we embarked on this little experiment called the Quarantine Bunch. I think one of the first scripted comedy shows shot on Zoom to come from the quarantine. Oh, that's, that's awesome. I could give you a longer. If that answer wasn't long enough, oh, don't worry. We could even go into greater detail. That, that,
1: that, that's pretty good for a jumping off point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think that's enough. I've had Keith on the podcast. He came here to Salt Lake uh, to our Comic-Con. And I got to meet him that way. And he's actually oh, the, wow. the outro to all my episodes now. Because I, nice. I got selfish and asked him to say, the podcast is done, man. So <laughs> that that Oh, I love it. That closes out every episode now, so... And that's how I found out about you guys. Now, you mentioned, uh, you know, it was at Ryan's house. You know, He, he, ha- he was hosting the party there. And he is, um, for the large part, the writer of the series. Correct, Ryan?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because when Jeff called me uh, to do this, it just so happened that I had read an article that morning of the different ways people are using Zoom. So I was already, my mind was already, kind of churning with, oh, wow, well, you know, maybe we, this would be a creative outlet using Zoom somehow, some way. And then when uh, Jeff called me, I um, I really started thinking, and I was thinking of back to the show that I had written uh, a few years prior, The Comeback Kids. I'm going to say that a lot. Um, Do it
2: again. <laughs> what, what, what was the name of that show, Ryan? I didn't hear that, you. What was the name uh, of this show?
0: the show? The, 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 the Comeback Kids. Oh,
2: that's the <laughs> right, yeah. Kids making a comeback. Yeah, I like that one.
0: Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, and I re- I was realizing that there's a lot of things in, in future episodes that I had already written for that show that actually could be kind of funny to use using Zoom. And so um, I got back to Jeff with the idea, and we just started rolling with it. And I I don't know. I probably wrote all eight episodes in a week. I want to say. Right, Jeff. You're and quick. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff would you know. Tell me how stupid they were, and then I'd go and do a rewrite, and then I'd come back. And then uh, we finally got all eight episodes, and uh, we we filmed it.
2: Uh, And you know, I find degradation and intimidation are really important uh, keys to the creative puzzle and to a working relationship with a new uh, partner. So that seemed to work out. Yeah.
1: So you wrote these uh, pretty fast. What was your uh, kind of writing? what was the experience like? Did you, you said you pulled some of the ideas, but what was, what was kind of some of the steps in the development?
0: Just, you know, going back and, and looking back through those scripts and then just kind of changing them and rewriting them so we could actually do it on Zoom. For example, uh, in episode two, we have a funeral uh, for the little person that was all the child actors, uh, stunt double and stand-ins when they were kids <laughs> Shows and films, and uh, and I had already written that for the Comeback Kids, but I was thinking because I had like I had said I, I was reading how people were using Zoom in different ways, and one of them is people are using Zoom for funerals. So I thought, wow, well here we go. <laughs> There's an episode, um, and then um, I, I don't want to give too much away for the future episodes, but I'll, I'll talk about what what's happened, uh, like having the CDC person played by Annie Wood who came on and happened to be a Spielberg and related to Steven Spielberg. So all the, you know, child actors are now wanting to know more about their career than their own health. Uh, And and, uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just, there's a lot of funny things um, that you can really get away with, with this show. And, and another thing I I really, the reason I created the comeback kids and, um, and have become friends with so many of of these child actors or former child stars um, is that they're still acting and they're still really good actors and they still need to be working. Am I right, Jeremy? Um, <laughs>
3: hey, you and I both know a lot of very talented, talented people yeah. who, you know, just can't seem to get the door cracked back open a little bit. So it's a lot of talent out there just chomping at the bits or for some material.
0: Yeah. And, and Jeremy's one of them at Danny, I think blew us all away with how natural he was.
3: Danny is absolutely still spectacular. Um, That was, that was really wonderful getting to work with him again. Yeah. Keith. eh.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Take him or leave him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was, it's just, it's just fun to get everybody back and, you know, and, and getting all these like child stars who were on different shows all onto one show. I find that fascinating and, and fun to watch and, and they all knew each other back in the day. Uh, but to bring them back now, I think it's fun.
1: And then you, you brought in Dean. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And he Dean
1: was McDermott. last minute, right?
0: <laughs> no, not really. I think no. we cast him one like, weeks before. Early we... on. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was early on. Jeff uh, had the idea of, of having an actor that, wasn't a child star but maybe was a child star someplace else <laughs> <laughs> that's how dean uh, became a part of the cast and uh and dean blew me away i mean he he totally sells it as a scottish <laughs> good actor it's pretty amazing.
2: and and we've been getting emails and comments on the videos from people who say oh i live on the border of the uk and scotland his accent is right on the money uh-huh. mate um, so yeah, it's really resonating with. Uh, you
0: know. And what's funny is how many people are actually going on Google and trying to find, like Chewy <laughs> Chester, the guy who died, and Rusty makes five. <laughs> it's
1: hilarious. Oh, build a Wikipedia page. It, it it's part of the show, so it could it could have its own page. Now, um, one of the start one of the stars that should say whenever
2: if you're thinking of creating a fictional show make sure to cover your bases and create fake websites for rusty makes five and an an arrest record for ricky pritchard so when people start googling (laughs) you can satisfy their curiosity and a chewy a memorial page for chewy uh so yeah go in season we'll, we'll do a better job deceiving our viewers hopefully
1: now it being a support group um Uh, tell us a little bit about that the development of that part
3: I'll, i'll take that one um just the fact that we all know each other while perhaps we don't have a actual support group in our lives we are each other's support group um that's the truth that's one of the reasons why most of us are still so close um nobody understands like a former fellow child star i mean that's the truth um it's a very unique, very weird life. And, uh, only somebody who's lived it, you know, has an idea. And that's really, we support each other through our new endeavors. We support each other through rough times. You know, it's just, we are, whether there's a a actual group or not, we are there and kind of each other's support net uh, safety net, you know, in real life. So it kind of plays into it very easily.
1: Uh, Now let's go into uh, your guys' history. You guys have been, um, busy for a long time um jeff you're an, an emmy award winner and uh, edward r Murrow award winner um tell us about a little bit of your background that was um like doing news shows primarily
2: and when when, uh, when you say winner i mean that's yeah. let's, let's the record straight that just means i won the bid on ebay oh okay i, I bid uh, for a lot of emmy awards and sometimes you win sometimes you don't it's just like in real life so i got lucky a couple times and okay. i have some strategies i could share later on um Most of those, yeah, they were from content produced for ABC News over the years, documentaries into about 50 different countries, finding stories, telling important stories. And uh, usually wherever there was a disaster there, we'd be uh, trying to get the word out and help hurting people in a way, telling a story in a way that does move the needle and uh, touches a heart, maybe moves a credit card to, to help people in need. So storytelling has always been a passion. And this is just kind of an extension. It's another way to tell a story at a time when people need uh, a laugh. I mean, they need the mood lifted. They need a little light. Yeah, And that really was the intention of this show. Take people's mind off the 24-7 news cycle, all Corona all the time, and frame it within something uh, everyone's very um, knowledgeable of because we're all going through the quarantine together. So that is a shared experience. But we kick it up to kind of the the notch of ridiculousness with now it's former child stars and how do they cope with the quarantine? And at the end of the day, that's all we want. We just want to deliver a little relief through laughter.
1: So uh, speaking of quarantine, California is still primarily shut down. How are each of you dealing with it? This show, it's our only therapy. (laughs) That's it.
2: And (laughs) and of course drinking a lot, but that kind of goes hand in hand, I think with quarantine.
0: That's,
3: (laughs) Jeff, not me. <laughs> oh,
1: no, know, not him. That's right.
2: Thank
3: I'll be you. back in jail. That's not no. Um
2: <laughs> we want to prevent that.
3: Honestly, I like Jeff said, this show really for you know, for artists, for people who live to be creative, this has been a great outlet. Uh especially since we've all been so stagnant for a little while here. Uh but also I I have family members, my my mom and my stepfather living with me and uh they're both immunologically compromised. My stepfather in particular uh, has emphysema, less than 40% lung function. So we're being awful cautious. You know, we're taking every precaution we can. Uh, We, you know, although it's inconvenient, we appreciate the lockdown because I'm, I'm living with somebody who could be wiped out inside of a week if he got this. So, um, you know, just, just playing it safe and trying to reach out in whatever way we can through zoom through other stuff to stay connected to those we love and, you know, that's all we can do. That and, you know me, I'm a cook. So running around, mm. cooking whatever I can find is actually quite fun and quite a challenge. So, you know, developing dinner when, you know, half the store is gone is actually a, a little bit fun for a show.
1: Yeah. So what are, what are some of the things that you've cooked that, that are of note?
3: Oh, I honestly, it's been a lot of like, what's in the fridge, let's throw it together kind of thing. A lot of stews, a lot of pot roasting, you know, whatever's in the freezer. Let's uh, braise it real slow with whatever veggies we have. Um, I did make a really, really good uh, curried chicken with Mm. apple cider, hefeweizen, and roasted eggplant. It was really nice.
1: I recognized one of those words. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, roasted. I roasted. recognize the word roasted. Yeah, roasted.
2: Yeah. But Jeremy, I, I'm curious, I'm curious. When ingredients are plentiful, what's your go-to dish, your signature dish that you love making, you know it always delivers and impresses?
3: Jambalaya.
0: Mm-hmm. It's good. I've had it. Classic oh,
3: okay. Cajun chicken and sausage jambalaya is definitely my go-to. It's a crowd pleaser.
2: Very nice. But I'm so uh, 80 I cook everything. Once all this... So- once, once this madness is lifted, we're to expect that at the rap party. You got it. Okay.
3: Good. We got to get Dylan out there.
2: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Come on I'll out, fly, Dylan. I'll fly out.
1: Thanks, Jeremy. De- Thanks Dean, for Dean is
2: hosting. We heard We heard talk, Dean will host. Now that it's public, it, it must be true. Now that it's on the <laughs> internet.
1: <laughs> awesome. Now, what about you, Ryan? have you been uh, dealing with everything?
0: Uh, writing a lot.
1: Uh, I, I assume it's a pretty job. job.
0: But I also have uh, two small kids, uh, one having school up here at the house. And, you know, he's in second grade. And I don't remember, uh, maybe you guys do, when you were in second grade, having fractions. And um, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And I feel so inept not knowing second grade math. Uh, But yeah, I've been doing that. In fact, I finished a, uh, a, I had to type up a four page uh, report on Venus last night for him. And then oh. her daughter, who's two years old, um, we're doing potty training, and it's been about a two-week process. And I, I've I've had to wash many many clothes, um, so I'm doing lots of laundry with the whole you know peeing on everything and, and all that. But um, yeah, Your
3: daughter, right?
0: That's what I've been. Yeah, my yeah, my daughter. Yeah, my daughter. Okay. <laughs> so that's but what I've been. Isn't, at. And, uh,
2: isn't potty training a lot like writing a screenplay in Hollywood? What is some <laughs> Potty training and writing a screenplay in Hollywood, to me, are very similar. Yeah.
0: Sure. Let's <laughs> go with it. Yeah, I'll go with that.
2: <laughs> a lot of shit. So, yeah,
0: that's, that's what I've been
1: up to. Right. Well, hold on, Dylan. Uh, Wait, okay. You're
2: not going to just let that slide. <laughs> he said he did a report on Venus. Okay, uh, Mr. Science, yeah. uh, which planet is Venus from the
1: sun?
0: The second planet and it is also the hottest planet in our yes. solar system. It's over nine hundred degrees.
1: And what's the chemical what
0: makeup? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know. What's the chemical makeup of the air?
0: Mm, the Poisonous gases, but if you want me to tell you what the poisonous gases are, I don't think I'll be able to. But it does have sixteen hundred volcanoes and all of them are
1: dormant. Wow. Mm. I'm vacation worthy. But <laughs> you know, when you're buying a timeshare. Now, As a writer, uh, Ryan, what situations are most creative for you? Oh wow.
0: Um. Well, I love comedy, and and so I I try to find the funny things in life, and uh, you know, about a year ago, Jeremy and I we were working on a project together, and um, and I wanted to do something a little bit different, so you know I putting characters on, onto the show that, you know, don't with actors that don't normally uh, get to be on TV shows and, and, and in acting and stuff. And so one thing that my wife and I, she's, she's an actress. Um, one thing that we want to do is we want to create content uh, and include actors, directors, producers, not too much producers, but um, definitely directors and, and actors who don't normally get a chance to get in front of the camera, uh, maybe because they're, you know, in a wheelchair or they're, you know, disabled of some sort, some way. So, um, so when I, when I'm creating something, I don't just like try to create a show. I try to create something that's more, uh, that's different than anything else that's out there on television and, and that can, you know, include actors that don't normally get a chance to act. Did I answer the question? I don't know if I did or not,
1: but. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Sounds good. Inspiration-wise, in each of your crafts, who who inspires you? Keith Coogan.
2: <laughs> Just because we slammed him earlier, I thought someone had to circle back.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, truthfully, getting to work with somebody as creatively varied and amazing as Alan Thick was, um, creatively speaking, he's probably one of my biggest influences. I mean, the man could write, the man could sing, he could act, he could, I mean, he literally produced, he wrote, wrote films, he wrote comedy for just about every stand-up guy out there. He wrote Barry Manilow's first TV special. He wrote, I mean, one of the most talented human beings I have ever met. And to get to watch his comedy, to get to watch him carry himself as a professional, to get to watch how many projects he was always working on. To give you an idea, if you ever looked at the back of one of Alan's scripts during the week while we were rehearsing, the back page of his script was usually filled with about 50 to 60 phone numbers that he was calling multiple times during the week, working on multiple different projects, all while we're filming Growing Day. He never stopped working. He never lost his energy. And like I said, just the most overall creative man I've ever met. I mean, a true Renaissance man. There wasn't a thing he couldn't do. So... I got to say, creatively speaking, getting to grow up watching and learning from a man like that, that would definitely... Uh,
1: post-show, what was your um, relationship with him?
3: Uh, just like a dad. After the show went down, Alan was still very paternal in my life, as well as most of our lives from you know Kirk and Tracy. Um, Alan and I talked regularly. He would get us all together up at his ranch in Santa Barbara once every year, mm-hmm. once every two years, and we'd kind of do a little... Growing Pains family reunion, we'd bring all our families up and we'd have a great time. Um, But Alan was the guy I always went to for advice, um, especially in the industry. Uh, When things were at its hardest, when we had the big recession in 2008 and I lost my catering company and things were at their worst, Alan stepped up and tried to help me get some work with some of his restaurant friends. He was always there for me. Um, He really was my second dad. And I mean, I'll tell you right now, it I still, when something good happens in this business, I get a part, I get something I'm working on, something goes right. Still my first instinct to call him. I just did it about three months ago. He's been gone for three years now. And I still, I went and started to dial his number, you know, so he just was an amazing part of my life.
1: That's amazing. What about you, Ryan?
0: Inspiration. Well, I mean, when I was a little kid, um, I, I, like a, a small kid, I would watch Carol Burnett, and uh, I love Lucy, Mel Brooks movies. When I got a little bit older and I was able to understand those, and those really those three people um, have were, were really big influences in comedy for me. Tim Conway being with the Carol Burnett show and all that, and you know, and I've actually got to meet um, some of them over the years and. Uh, in fact, I, you know, I got to spend an evening um, watching Carol Burnett work, and it was so awe inspiring. And at that time, I was an actor, and and, and I wanted to be a you know in funny comedy movies and stuff. Uh, but when I became a writer, and I just they say write what you know, and it was comedy. The first thing I ever wrote was a play uh, that actually Carol. And it was kind of modeled after a, a play that Carol did uh, called Noises Off. And so I would say just Carol Burnett and uh, Lucille Ball, Mel Brooks, um, Neil Simon, huge Neil Simon fan. Mm-hmm. They, those, are, those are the people who have really influenced
1: uh, my work and, and how I view writing and comedy. Very cool. What about you, Jeff? Who inspires you? Oh, yeah. You said Keith Coogan. Oh, did that
2: really get me off the hook? That would be incredible. The podcast gods are listening if that gets me off the hook to that question. Maybe, right? Maybe. No? No. Um, well, like Ryan, I think anyone of a certain age, we did grow up with Carol Burnett. and Oh, my God. Harvey Korman, Tim Conway, we all bowed to their comic genius, the timing, the situations. And that, I think, helped kind of plant the comedic seed early on for all of us um having one particular uh icon mentor to point to i don't think i can but you kind of like a buffet you you pick the best bits from a wide variety of very talented artists Uh, one movie that stands out i actually wrote a paper on uh in college was airplane i forgot what i dissected but it was very pithy i'm sure because airplane was a very important movie damn it uh (laughs) And it's still funny. All these years oh, yeah. later, th- those guys killed it. And to, that is my comedy jam. You can watch Airplane again and again, and you will find little pieces, little Easter
0: eggs of laughter. Shirley, you can't.
2: The what? Shirley, you can No? Can't. Say it again. Don't call me Shirley. Shirley. Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> I am serious. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> I haven't seen a grown man naked. Um... <laughs> But that movie, oh my god, so that that aligns with my sensibilities. Uh and I think so does this show. A lot of things when, when Ryan and I collaborate, it is kind of, you know, there are airplane-esque moments. And that's a beautiful kind of homage to the greats who walked before. Before Zoom. Was there was there entertainment before Zoom? Maybe that is a good question. Yes. No?
1: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, you mentioned projects you and Ryan have worked on together. Besides this one, what what other stuff have you worked on together? This is it. Oh, th- I this hope has been heard. it? Who?
2: Ryan and Jeremy? or
1: No, Ryan and you, Jeff. Was it, this is your first project. Oh, no, no. no. Of... Remember, we
2: we worked on um, Keith's birthday party. You hooked me up with some extra chili. Remember the pot got low, oh. and you said, you know what? I'm going to make it my mission yeah. to get more chili, and you did. So I kind of felt that was the first project we, we embarked on. And then this came along um we'll see we haven't had to call any lawyers yet so so far the work is going swimmingly (laughs) but that's the thing with life you know if if i hadn't gone to that party ryan and i would never have met so don't wait i think this is the lesson for anyone watching don't wait until an opportunity comes around just to put on your mullet wig you got to step out there even for chances when you can't put your mullet wig on jeremy you feeling is that good advice or
3: yeah i'm feeling it um you know, the truth
2: not is, not really. I half, don't buy it.
3: Half the opportunities I have found in the last ten years have all been from conversations. I mean, truthfully, I haven't. I mean, I still audition, and I still there's the occasional thing that gets close. But all the projects that I've ended up working on, the, that I've gotten to collaborate on, or that I've even gotten to help produce and things like that, have all started with a conversation when I met somebody at a party or a restaurant or. You know, something like that. It's all been just talking to this person and then to this person and so on. And it starts to snowball. Um, so truthfully, you can't just if you're if you're a writer, actor, director, anybody, you can't sit at home and wait for the phone to call, ring. Not anymore. You know, years ago, yes, you could. Years ago, you just wait for that phone call. You wait for your auditions. You do whatever. Now you've got to get out there and create it. You've got to get out there and make it happen.
1: And even under other industries too, I'm a graphic designer and I have to go, go hunting for, you know, they're, I'm not going to get a call out of the blue every once in a while, but so I, I wanted to deep dive a little bit with you, Jeremy. Um, do you remember what your first uh, acting job was?
3: Absolutely. Um, within 10 auditions, I got my first job and it was supposed to be a national McDonald's commercial. Um, it actually ended up being an East coast local. They didn't go national with it um little trivia for you though that was probably one of the most talent-packed commercials you've ever seen in your (laughs) life everybody i worked with on there went on to work massively through the 80s and 90s me jaleel white rj williams brandon call brandon williams and i cannot remember the other kid's name but if you go look up every one of those names Multiple series, multiple pilots, multiple guest spots, multiple children's films. Multiple, I mean, all through the '80s and '90s, every one of us was seriously, consistently working.
1: It's awesome. So
3: I, I never even remembered that I worked with all those guys back. Then. We always auditioned together and stuff. But I saw the commercial maybe I don't know ten years ago, twelve years ago, and I'm looking and I'm going, "Wait a second! Look at every." I mean, it was just a who's who of '80s, you know, bit part players and actors and stuff.
1: And you were also on uh, Ghostwriter. I totally forgot that until I started researching.
3: <laughs> Ghostwriter was a wonderful opportunity for me. It really was. Uh, PBS did this great little show where they were trying to just promote reading amongst kids and stuff. And they brought me in. There was talk about extending me and making me one of the regulars or at least a part time regular on the show. Um, we went to New York and we filmed for about two weeks. Um, Filming on the classic Harlem courts as a white boy beating all the other kids almost got me killed a couple (laughs) of times, considering they had to shut down the courts in the middle of the games. Um, Oh, wow. Didn't go over very well. I had horse-mounted New York NYPD getting me, escorting me back and forth because people were not happy with me. But it was a fun shooting experience. And it was a great, you know, great little show to be a part of. I got to work with some great kids and would have been cool if it had continued. But um, I think they, one of the things was they felt I was too old. And that was one of the problems they had. I don't know what the other issues were, but they felt that me being considerably older than the other kids didn't gel quite as easily.
1: Interesting. Have you caught the new series on Apple TV?
3: I haven't. I actually only just heard about it. So,
1: Well, it, I haven't watched all of them, but a good handful of them. There, it's good. Awesome. I still yeah, prefer well, check it out. I prefer the old show, but
3: <laughs> well, I, all those guys. I mean, we filmed together for two to three weeks, so I loved all the kids that were on that show. They were all really cool.
1: And I th- aren't a handful of them um, still working?
3: I believe so. Um, I only know I only have kept in contact like through social media and Facebook and stuff like that. So I believe a couple of them are still acting.
1: And that was before um, Growing Pains, correct?
3: No, Ghost Rider was just right before it went down. I was 14 years old. Oh, okay. So we filmed that on the summer before our last year. Okay. And then I was a part of uh, Peanuts, where I did the voice of Linus. That was before Growing Pains. Oh. And then for the first two years of Growing Pains.
1: Did not know that. Uh, how was that voice going from acting to voice acting? <laughs>
3: that was just amazing i mean it was so much fun um it's very regimented in that they have a very specific way they need you to deliver each line your enunciation has to be perfect your diction your you know you have to break in between sentences to give them a chance to edit it there's a lot of little things but i got the part uh lee mendelson who was the head of all production for peanuts basically hired me on the spot he came in and said you sound the most like the original Linus I've ever heard in my life. And for two years, two and a half years, I got to do The Voice. I did multiple different projects. We did all the tapes for the talking Snoopy doll, kind of like the old Teddy Ruxpin thing. I did Happy New Year, Charlie Brown. This is America, Charlie Brown. The Snoopy musical movie. And then my voice changed at about 11, and they said, I'll done." (laughs) So it was it was quite an honor to be a part of. I mean, I was a huge Peanuts fan as a oh, kid, yeah. anyway. So yeah, me too. just to get to be a part of that was really incredible.
2: That's awesome. Did you have an opportunity to meet Charles Schultz?
3: I never did get to meet Charles. I got to meet everybody else, but I never got to meet Mister Schultz. I would have been really awesome.
0: Yeah.
1: Now, now, growing pains. Um, tell tell us about that audition process.
3: My first audition for Growing Pains was just an old-fashioned 80s cattle call. There were probably 300-400 kids during the day um showed up, waited for about a half hour, 45 minutes, and um the funny thing is I don't remember reading any lines with our with the casting director and the producers. Um I just went in and started talking, you know, they started asking me questions, I started telling jokes. I've never been shy. I don't shut up. That's one of the things that got my mom to put me in this. So I went in and just started chatting them up. And they always said that that was what got me the part. Um, It was that I was a real kid and that I was relatable and that I just came in and started making them laugh.
1: What's your um, favorite part of um, being your character?
3: Being my character. um, I guess the best part of being my character is similar as we were uh, was that my character got to be more devious. (laughs) You know, that's the truth. I, I had a strict mom and a relatively strict grandma who helped raise me. And, you know, I, I didn't act out a lot at home and I truly didn't rebel much until I got older. Um, Ben got to be a little more wild, a little more uh, rambunctious than I was just generally. So that was always fun when we got to do those episodes that kind of pushed the boundaries a little bit when I got to be the kind of overtly annoying brother where I got to just kind of really kind of push, take me, which is like right about here, just take it up a few levels and, you know, really let Ben have some fun. Those were always the best for me. that or any of the episodes where, you know, Kirk and Tracy and I got to really mess around and kind of be, kids in the show Um, still one of my favorite episodes we all did together was an episode where we end up down in the down in the basement cleaning up and we find all this stuff that leads us to believe that Alan has another family that he's (laughs) married another woman from a picture of Tallulah Clark we found and you know we it's just a very funny episode where Kirk Tracy and I just got to be crazy and wild and and ridiculous and those were always some of our favorite episodes to film
1: and and how were they to work with
3: honestly i had as good of an experience on filming a sitcom as you possibly could i mean i've heard horror stories from many people many friends who've had miserable sets where people didn't get along where people didn't like each other that just wasn't the case on ours. Uh, The most difficult thing about working on our set was keeping a straight face when Alan started cracking jokes and messing with everybody. Or, you know, when one of our crew guys would bust out of the closet in the middle of the scene in only his underwear and, like, everybody just... I mean, we had—we were just big, crazy family. I mean, that was us. So that was probably the hardest part for us was we were always messing around. So keeping a, you know, showing up and being professional... Every so often, we had to be reminded, hey, guys, come on, it's a job. Let's get this done. But we, truthfully, we all got along. We were a huge family, um, from the producers all the way down to the prop people. I mean, we knew each other's families. We knew each other's wives and husbands and kids. It was an amazing time.
1: Now, with that main group of you guys for most of the show, what, how, how how did things change when they brought in Ashley and uh, Leonardo?
3: I wouldn't say things changed too drastically when they brought Ashley onto the show, which was during the sixth season. Um, It had been kind of done, you know, regularly to jump the the baby ahead a few years to give them more to do. And Ashley was very sweet, six years old. It's not like she, you know, came in throwing her weight around as the new star on the show or anything. She was just a little kid who wanted to be a part of, and we all fell in love with her very quickly. She's very talented and very sweet. Um, Leo coming on a little bit later was a little different. The show had changed a little bit at that point um seventh season and this is all very common knowledge when Kirk had had a big kind of conflict with our original producers and our original director when he was trying to incorporate more of his faith into the show um and during the seventh season, our producers just They didn't want to deal with it anymore. They said, this is changing things too much. This is not our show. And if this is what we're going to do, we're walking. So we ended up with all new writers, all new producers, and uh, new directors all through the seventh season. And that was when Leo was brought in. Um, Now, as much as we got along, and I absolutely adored Leo, I still do. At the time, I was a little bothered, and I've talked about this before. But Kirk was transitioning to older They had been starting to press my character more to the front and more of the uh, relationships or more of the fun kind of slapstick mic type roles that they had been doing before. And the ratings were kind of backing that up during that period when they were doing that for my character, the shows that focused around me started doing really, really well. And then out of nowhere, ABC decided to bring in another kid because they didn't feel I could cut it or something. I don't know. So, yes, there was a little bit of bitterness towards them there, uh but never towards Leo. Leo was awesome, and uh him and I had a great time those six weeks. Um, he was supposed to be there for the whole second, you know almost the entire part of the uh the last year but uh after the sixth show, he got the phone call from his agent that he'd gotten this boy's life, the de Niro film that was his first film that he did. And I was right there with him when he got the call. He jumped six feet into my arms. I'm standing there holding him. He's going, I got the dinero, Bill!" <laughs> you know, he's going crazy. And our producers were kind enough to let him out of his contract to let him go do it. So
1: and what have you been working on since?
3: Honestly, I've been working on a lot of different stuff. I actually kind of walked away for a little bit. I went to culinary school. It's another passion of mine and took a little bit of a break. But I've been working on a lot of small independent projects. Um couple of independent films. I have three right now that I'm tied into that are trying to finish financing, uh, two of which are horror films, one of which I may or may not be evil. Um, I've been very, very close on production on a few different series. Uh, we had a wonderful sci-fi project that I was helping produce and create that, unfortunately, one of our executive producers went off the deep end and ended up tanking the whole project. But at the time, we had Amazon and a few others really, really interested in that project. But it's just the name of this game. You just got to keep plugging away. I mean, it's a little disheartening, you know, six months, seven months, eight months working on something, you know, creatively giving it your heart and soul. And on top of that, usually not getting paid for that time in pre-development, and pre-production and to have it fall apart as it so often does for reasons that are beyond your control can get disheartening. But, yeah, you know, yeah. I just... I just keep doing it, man. I, I love to create. I love being in this. And truthfully, there's only two places I'm truly happy, and that's in front of a camera or behind the stove. So
1: Great. Now, tell us about the call you got for being uh, part of the Quarantine Bunch.
2: A day you'll never forget.
3: A day you'll never forget. Isn't that right? Actually, when uh, Ryan... I forgot already no no when ryan first brought this idea up to me i thought it was brilliant um again i've known ryan for a very long time him and i are very good friends and jeff and i have become very good friends or at least i'll lie and say that since he's on here
2: thank you i appreciate that
3: <laughs> i love you jeff um thank you
2: thank you danny I, um, Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy.
3: um yeah, are you sure okay <laughs> But Ryan and I have been trying to find projects to work on, um, and when he came to me with this, I just thought it was a great idea. Uh, Nobody likes making fun of themselves more than former child stars, and truthfully, nobody's as okay with it as we are. Uh, If you can't laugh at the things that have happened to us in our lives, uh, you lose your mind. So, I don't know. I knew Keith was going to be involved. We had talked about possibly Danny. All these people are people I've known for many, many years. Dating, you know, going back 30, 35 years. Yes, 30, 35 years. (laughs) Um, So getting a chance to work with them again as well was awesome. Uh, Without even really reading the scripts yet, I knew, I know what Ryan can do. And I know what this type of show, when you set a kind of baseline for the script and the lines and things like that, you get all these creative people together, things are just going to start flowing and ad libs pop up and you just, you get some really nice moments of magic. So I just thought it'd be a great, you know, even if nothing came of it in the long run, what a great chance for us all to just have a little fun and, you know, get to scratch that creative itch while we're all sitting here uh, on lockdown. And, you know, it was just really a, an opportunity to, to get to have some fun. And that's what I, I really, I enjoy creating with people I care about.
1: Uh, it's a fun project and i I can see that in all your faces as you guys are on the show Now, jeremy if you had your ultimate dream project like you know funding not an issue you know work with whoever what what would that dream project be
3: that's a good one um honestly if i had a dream project especially because Philanthropy and working with others is so important to me on a regular basis, right. as much as doing the big blockbuster with you know the a list names I've always wanted to work with or you know even throwback i mean I'd love like when I heard that they were doing once upon a time in Hollywood, okay, well, not only do you have Leo, but you have Brad Pitt, who also did our show and who I've known for many, many years. To get a chance to have been on that or to work with the both of them just for old time's sake and have a ball would have been great. But for me, maybe taking the idea of a cooking show and tying it into some sort of philanthropy type thing where you do a big, you know, charity event on each episode where you bring celebrities and other chefs in and you just, you know, something along those lines where you're really making an impact in people's lives. But you're also creating something that gives people a lot of joy and entertainment that would probably be like my cuz you could bring in a listers to be a part of that you could bring in other celebrity chefs you can bring in anybody and really incorporate them into something like that
1: that's awesome that reminds me of a a guest we had a few shows back um, Kirby Hayborn um he's been tons of commercials and he was in the Three Stooges movie um he oh. has a, he has a series on BYU TV called Making Good and each uh, episode he's working with some type of organization um, in that way. So, yeah, uh, j- check it out. Making good uh, BYU TV. Awesome! I will. All right, and um, I I think it's bonus question time. We have three bonus questions <laughs> yeah. to close out the show. <laughs> we've been
2: waiting, we've been on the edge of our futons, waiting for this moment. This is pretty exciting. I don't know about you, Brian.
1: Brian, Brian, no, Brian, are you excited?
0: Excited? I'm excited.
1: All right. You
2: tell. Yeah. Oh, hold on! No, no, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I think the real, the bonus uh, information is Ryan mentioned his wife. She's also an incredibly talented, funny lady. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we we'll Is it okay to call her a lady? Yeah. Oh, Ryan? yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah okay. Fine. Good.
2: Thank you. Um, she plays Debbie from Tarzana in the show. Yeah.
0: And she's in the and booth her, right oh, behind me.
2: Oh, is she listening in with a glass? Like,
0: oh. that, here that she is.
2: just hey, happens to be there. <laughs> Hi, guys. There she is.
1: Nice to meet you. you okay,
2: she brings her own special brew of to hilarity to the oh, bunch.
0: In fact, she's she's on with ABC in five minutes, so I probably should. No, uh, three, minutes. three minutes. Okay, oh, so I should what? walk out, the, out here, out so. here.
2: Hi. Hi. <laughs> she's hilarious.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I've enjoyed her on the show, especially the the Feldman uh costume.
3: Oh, her, the Feldman piece had me <laughs> yeah. I, I could barely <laughs> keep it together when we were filming it, much less.
1: <laughs> so the the podcast is called Your Creativity. So um, our first uh, bonus question is: What does creativity mean to you? And any one of you can, can you take it me? first. Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs>
3: I'll take it first. Um, For me, creativity is exactly that. It's always trying to come up with something new, trying to push the boundaries of what you're doing with your friends. I mean, I've, I've been involved in all aspects of this, this business since I was five years old. I never thought I'd get into script writing. I never thought I'd get into producing. I never thought I'd, you know, get into any of this, but it's all just ways to create and ways to bring entertainment to people. And it really, for somebody who lives for that and has known nothing else since I was five, that's really why I love doing this kind of project.
0: Um, you know, it
3: keeps us doing what we want to be doing.
1: Awesome. Uh, Ryan, pull side. Um, what about you? Yeah, what, is, what does creativity mean to you?
0: Um, I'm going to come up with a really creative answer and just copy what Jeremy just said <laughs> <laughs> no because i mean seriously what, I, what he said is exactly about. do something that's never been done before if that's even possible anymore especially when it comes to script writing and comedy and and, and and tv shows and stuff and and that's what i try to always accomplish is just trying to i don't know just do something different something brand
1: new okay and you jeff i think
2: it's um and of course i I only came up with this answer by standing on the shoulders of the great men who just spoke um i think it's using your art in a way to challenge the status quo to crush cliches which i think this industry really is built too much on yeah and it's being bold to take a step in to really uh avoid. You don't know if what you got rattling around up here is gonna land. But you gotta do it anyway, because if you don't get that energy out, uh you don't wanna see what it looks like by holding <laughs> it in. So it's having the courage to uh share that uh artistic side, that creative side uh with the world, and not be beholden to the kind of reaction you get, and that 's the toughest thing I think for artists is the releasing uh, expectations yeah. of did my art did my work move the needle? did it connect? did it get you know ten thousand views, and most of the time it doesn 't but are we having to- are we having fun during the the process of creating it and it's it 's important to remind yourself of that, but who cares if you get the views if you had a ball? Uh, putting it all together like with this show this has been and i just did a a, a facebook post this has been some of the most fun i've had professionally in a long time and uh, to me that's the greatest gift a project like this affords it's a playground yeah just to go nuts to let your inner child loose
0: awesome i want the views (laughs) bastard i knew it i knew it
1: Every group has one. <laughs> now, the the next bonus question is, um, who is your favorite Muppet?
3: Animal, am mo- woman,
0: woman. <laughs> animal, baby. Awesome.
1: Right I like animal. I'm,
0: I'm going to say Fozzie Bear because of the comedy.
1: Yeah, Fozzie's a good one.
0: Waka, waka, waka.
1: What about you, Jeff?
2: Did you say Muppets or Frumpets? Muppets. They're two different shows. Oh, Muppets. You know, I, I'm not a huge watcher of the Muppets, but I think I like those two The the the, the guys in the balcony, the theater critics.
1: Uh, Stat Statford.
2: and
3: Waldorf. Yeah. You know the names, <laughs> dude? Are you kidding me? Muppets were my thing. I I still have the the original Muppet Show DVDs. I went out and bought like the whole thing.
1: Yeah, I I have them too. They're great. I do too. Yeah.
2: Well, I do three of them just to keep this (laughs) moving. Especially that episode when the puppet came into frame and went like this. Oh, geez. It gets me every time.
1: And then the last one is, um, in the movie of your life, who would you want to play you?
0: Keith Coogan.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Keith Coogan.
0: Yeah, a in a dress though.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I have never thought of that question before. Wow, I have no clue. I have no idea. I have...
1: You can play you. Uh, me, there you
3: go. <laughs> Self-reprised role. All
1: right. So, if everybody wanted to check out uh, what you're working on, where, where can they find you? What's your What's your handles everywhere?
3: Uh, on Facebook, I'm the real Jeremy J. Miller, and on uh, Instagram, it's Mr. Jeremy J. Miller.
0: Um, uh, I have a website, uh, Ryan Paul James Uh, and uh, actually, I'm going to start a writing uh, course here soon. So, if anybody wants to learn how to write a feature film or a TV show, more information will be there. Um, And then on Facebook, I'm just Ryan Paul James.
1: All right, Jeff, and where can they they check out your stuff? Uh,
2: The the previous two guys will keep your viewers busy enough. I mean, your viewers are going to be really desperate to want to seek out any of my past (laughs) work. So just go to uh, thequarantinebunch.com. You have a greater chance of staying awake through those videos and watching my past work. Um, So yeah, just QuarantineBunch.com. Find us on Facebook or YouTube. All
1: right. Is there anything? Go ahead.
2: And we also were thinking of taking a show on the road to some community centers and doing some live shows across the country. Uh, Through the glass. The
0: yeah.
2: What's that? Through, Through the, the window. Yeah. Through the glass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It'll be in the lawn and people will be able to come and sit and watch them performing outside. So that'll be beautiful.
1: Well, I, I know somebody that owns a comedy club here in town. So if you do do a tour okay. like that, let me know and I'll, I'll get you connected. Us up. <laughs> is there anything we didn't cover that you wanted to talk about the project
2: um, watch it I don't think anyone <laughs> yeah. said it directly watch it watch the, it. Damn watch no, the show thank you.
0: <laughs> Yes.
2: we need views watch We're it fra- share it we like are, it like it our egos are dependent on views and right now oh, yeah. therapists are not, we can't see our therapists in person so oh, this no. is an alternate form of therapy uh, getting love through social media likes and views so please help us help you <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, thank you all. You're a, you're a great bunch of guys. Um,
0: well, thanks, Dylan. Thank you, Dylan. <laughs> hope you thank guys, you, so much
1: for having us. This hope you guys can fun. come back on the show sometime. Be some comeback kids.
2: How about next Friday at three? Is everyone sounds, sounds good? <laughs> <Is> Jeremy, I'm <laughs> here. Yeah. yeah, as long okay. as Keith right. Coogan is on. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Gonna <laughs> <bed>. <laughs> In that
3: dress.
1: In the dress. Yeah.
2: And uh, he'll do it.
3: Oh, he's probably in it now. Yeah. I, got to, I got to sign off. I think my phone's about to die.
1: All right. Okay. Oh, okay. Thank you, Jeremy. Pleasure meeting you.
0: Pleasure meeting you. Have a good day. Nice Thank you, you Jeremy. Jeremy.
1: Thank you. Bye, all.
0: Bye bye. Bye bye.
1: The podcast is done, man. <laughs>